And you have a responsibility to find out what your spiritual gift is or what your spiritual gifts are and start using them. Start making good use of them for God's glory. It's not hard to figure it out. It's not hard when one of the key uh, features is the joy that you get by doing these. That should tell you something. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're dealing with spiritual gifts. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And I believe that most Christians have more than one spiritual gift. Now we're taught this in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, you may keep your seats, but I'd like you to read verse 7 and 8. Folks at home, have your Bible open please and join in with us, would you? Verses 7 and 8 of Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read this now all together. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And once again, this uh, second verse in verse 8 here speaks of a time when a conquering king would be coming back triumphantly to his uh, capital city and the gates would be open and the streamers and the ticker tape and the trumpeters and everything, this glorious, victorious march in. He'd be leading captivity captive. He'd have the captives in chains. He'd be leading them through the main drag of the city and he'd be giving gifts. Some of the spoils of war, people would be there, it'd be exciting and thrilling and they'd be receiving gifts from the king. Likewise, after we were saved, the Lord gave all of us gifts. And it's exciting to find out what your gifts are. I, I know that I have more than one gift. Um, I have to because I'm a pastor and you need uh, several gifts. There are some that I don't believe that I have, but it doesn't free me from the responsibility of learning to adopt those into my life anyhow. We all have that responsibility. Now, we made mention of the gifts, and there's 11 of them, and that includes ministry, exhortation, giving, ruling, mercy, uh, teacher, helps, government, faith, evangelism, and pastor. Someone might be wondering, whoa, 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 what about tongues? What about healing? And so on. We dealt with all that, folks. We took four or five weeks dealing with the, uh, the gift of tongues. You'll have to go online and go back and watch those and uh, it takes uh, four or five good messages on the subject of tongues to really understand it. There's so much confusion in the world today. The tongues that are being uh, propagated today in uh, certain churches are not the biblical tongues. They are not. And I know that makes some people uh, angry, but uh, it makes other people glad because there's a lot of people that may not have all of the technical biblical reasons, but just down deep in their soul, they know something's not right with that stuff. And to, um, to get some biblical teaching on it, I think is good, refreshing. Now, we've already examined four spiritual gifts. Tonight we'll be doing two more, and that'll bring us just over halfway, the halfway point. But we've looked at the gift of pastor, we've looked at the gift of teacher, and how do you know if you have these gifts? We've looked at the gift of ministry. We've looked at the gift of faith. How do you know if you have those gifts? We've dealt with that. You'll have to go online and watch the, uh, 
the services. So tonight we're going to look at two more, the gifts of helps and the gift of giving. Helps and giving. Let's have a word of prayer. Our loving Father, help us tonight now, please, to understand a little more about spiritual gifts. There's no doubt in my mind, dear Father, that um, after tonight we'll have dealt with over half the permanent gifts and I'm sure that most, if not all, of our church people will find that they have been given already one of those. Father, help us to understand what it is you've given us and then to take the joy uh, in using them. We're not to neglect the gift that is in us. And so, Lord, we know that you gave it to us for a reason, for a purpose. So help us to fulfill that purpose. And bless in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's turn back to the left, to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 12. We're going to begin there tonight. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. We'll be looking at a number of uh, scriptures. So you'll have to uh, have your Bible ready as we look at these. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And remember that um, uh, we have three main chapters in the Bible that teach us about spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Spiritual gifts are mentioned in other chapters and verses and books throughout the New Testament. In fact, we can find some of these um, gifts in the Old Testament as well. You think they didn't have teachers in the Old Testament, for example? Of course they had teachers, lots of them. And they were uh, gifted men doing the teaching. Well, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and we're going to look at verse 28. And God hath set some in the church first, apostles. They're gone, by the way. There was only a dozen of them. Thirteen, I suppose, if you count, you know, Matthias in there. Some count Paul as the twelfth, whatever. But apostles, secondarily prophets. That's another one that's gone. The church was built on those foundational gifts. We don't need the foundation anymore. Thirdly, teachers. We've, we've dealt with that. After that, miracles. That's gone. Then the gifts of healings, it's gone. Helps, there we go. Helps, there it is right there. Now, I want you to notice it's plural. It doesn't say help. It says helps. By the way, if you look right before it, the gifts of healings, that's plural as well. No one ever had the gift of healing like Benny Hinn claims he's got. No one. No one ever had that. God did individual healings. Now, does God not heal today? Of course God heals. And mainly he uses the, the normal, natural way that he is provided. Uh, that coupled with common sense and perhaps a little bit of uh, medical help. And healing is happening all the time, all the time, all the time. God has put a natural ability into our bodies to, to heal themselves. Um, God still answers prayer. We're taught over in James, you know, that if, uh, uh, if any are sick, 
You know, they're to, to pray. We're taught that, and we do pray for sick folks. On our prayer list tonight, the largest section uh, in all of our prayer list is for people who need a healing touch. So that's fine. But point tonight is that it's not help, it's helps. It's plural, and I, I hope you'll, you'll uh, see why. Now, what is this spiritual gift of helps? Uh, simply put, the spiritual gift of helps is that happy ability to roll up your sleeves and help. That's probably the simplest way I can put it. The gift of helps is different from the gift of ministry. Sometimes there's a little confusion. And people giving it a cursory glance and a read-through will say, huh, well, I seem to be able to be involved in different uh, ministries, whatever, helps. I guess it's about the same thing. Call it helps, call it ministries, whatever. Uh, it's not the same. Uh, we went to some length uh, last week to deal with the gift of ministries. Uh, ministry tends to be more long-term, long-term, where you're doing the same ministry even to the same people, uh, week after week, day, day after day, who knows, but it's on a regular basis and you're doing it over a long period of time. Whereas helps is more short-term supplement. It's more short-term. Another difference is ministry tends to be a little more of a high-profile job, uh, such as um, teaching. There's other ministries, of course, as well. But it tends to be a little more on the higher profile where people see you more. Whereas helps is usually more behind the curtain kind of work. So you can see there's a difference between these two. And I'd like to point out uh, some more differences as we get into this a little more. But in other words, the spiritual gift of helps gives temporary help when needed in a variety of different ways. Now a good picture of the spiritual gift of helps is found in the book of Acts, chapter 27. And I invite you to turn back to Acts chapter 27. We have a very scary story here of the ship out on the Mediterranean, the tempestuous sea voyage of the Apostle Paul and others. There was a couple, over a couple hundred of them pushing 300 people on this ship. So it wasn't a rowboat, it was a large ship, and they were in a terrible storm. And they thought they were going to die. It was that bad. And so chapter number 27 and verse number, uh, let's see here. We're not going to read all of the verses here. You can see in the end of verse 14, this tempestuous storm here, this wind was called Eurachlodon. The word Eurachlodon means a violent agitation. That's what the word means. That's, it was a common occurrence on the Mediterranean. The experienced sailor says, oh no, it's Eurachlodon. It's like the perfect storm. It's, oh, we're all going to die. So they, they called it this Eurachlodon, meaning a violent agitation. And so um, here in verse 17, watch this. This is what they did. Uh, which when they had taken up, so they uh, uh, took up the anchors there. Um, they used helps undergirding the ship. So the storm was so bad that this wooden ship 
was being slapped and dashed and bashed. And so to keep it together, they took long ropes and they threw them over the bow of the ship and brought them underneath the ship. It's like they looped them over top of the ship and then they would tie them. And that would help hold the ship together. That's what the helps were. And sailors did that to their wooden ships back then so that the, the ship wouldn't be torn apart upon the sea. It would help hold it together. Now, interestingly, uh, when my wife and I, on uh, Monday morning, we were getting our bags all ready to go to the pastor's conference in Vernon, we pulled down our old suitcase, opened it up, threw all kinds of stuff in there, closed it. It's got two clasps. We clicked, closed one clasp, but the other clasp wouldn't click. It was damaged. It was broken. It wouldn't hold at all. And so the suitcase was, you know, sort of threatening to pop open. That's not good. That's like something out of a movie. You know, you're walking along and your suitcase falls open and everything falls out. Has that ever happened to anyone here? I hope not. It, it's happened to people. It's embarrassing. And so what I did was I called upon my knowledge of Scripture, Acts 27, verse 17. <laughs> and I said to myself, we need help. <laughs> and so I found a, a black strap and I put it around the suitcase and I cinched it, you know, tightened it up, wrapped the strap around it. Sure enough, we made the voyage. And we uh, landed safe and, sh and sound on the Vernon's happy shores and um, got to the hotel. Nothing opened up and spilled. Everything was just as nice and tight. We used helps. And by the way, we did the same thing coming back home. Make a note, I got to get that suitcase fixed. Okay? But that's a good picture of the spiritual gift of helps. Um, the ship that they were sailing on, ultimately got destroyed. But if it didn't get destroyed, they would have gotten to port, they would have made any repairs. They wouldn't keep the rope on there every voyage. Hey, wh why do you still have a rope on there? Well, that's kind of silly. You don't need it. When the ship is all, you know, ship-shape and tight together, you don't need helps. And so this picture here in Acts 27 gives us a, a better understanding of what the spiritual gift of helps are. It's temporary, and it's meant to rush in there and to, to help, you know, in time of need. Spiritual gift of helps are extremely useful for when uh, church members, say, for example, are in need of help. Well, that's what the gift of helps does. Now, I mentioned that uh, spiritual gifts can be seen in the Old Testament as well. And I'd like you to see this, if you don't mind turning back to the book of 2 Chronicles. So after you get back there, it's after Kings comes Chronicles. Go to 2 Chronicles and chapter 29. Chapter 29. And let's see what we can find here. Verse number 34. Now, there was a big, big... Uh, church service going on here and Solomon was uh, uh, getting uh, all of the, the people together and he was um, 
Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Solomon. <laughs> what, what did I say? It's Hezekiah here. Yeah, that's right, Hezekiah. Solomon was long gone off the scene. Uh, and so Hezekiah was, was getting the temple all cleansed and everything, and they were going to have a, a Passover. They were going to have this big, big celebration. And the people were together, and they were all excited. And it came that there were so many offerings. So chapter 29, uh, let's see, and verse number 34 says, but the priests were too few so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore, their brethren, the Levites, did, what's the next word? Help. The Levites came in there and helped them till the work was ended. See that? There's helps right there. That gives you an idea of it. Turn to the book of Psalms, please. Psalm 54. Psalm 54. Psalm of David, Psalm 54, verse 4. And watch this. This is amazing. Verse 4, Behold, God is mine helper. That means that God is also involved with helps. That's exactly what it means. God is mine helper. The time I need help, my God is there. And by the way, it goes on to say, The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. So it looks there that God was using other people to help King David as well. God will do it directly and God will use other people. Um, Hebrews 13.6 says, The Lord is my helper. And so God himself is not too, too proud to get involved with helps. Because everyone needs help. So helps are something like spare tires. You don't always need them, do you? In fact, you can go many years without ever having a need for your spare tire. But I'll tell you, when you get a flat, you are so thankful to have a spare tire. I mean, it can mean, with some people in some circumstance, it could mean the, the difference between life and death. It can mean the difference between getting there to the job interview or losing out completely and not getting the job. It could make a world of difference. Praise the Lord for the spare tires. Praise the Lord for the gift of helps. Very important. Now, let's take a look in the New Testament at some examples of helps. So we'll go to the Gospel of Luke and chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5. We have here the miraculous catch of fish. And... Um, Jesus told Simon in verse 4, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And so they did this. Verse 6, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. All of a sudden they had a need. Uh-oh. Verse 7, and they beckoned to their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and, what's the next word? Help them. See that? Here's an example of helps. It was a sudden need. We need help. And there were some partners, some fishermen who came and helped them. Uh, let's look at another one in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. 
Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writing here to the church at Philippi. uh, He says in verse 3, he says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with others, my fellow laborers, fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Now those women um, appear to be from verse 2, Yodius and Syntyche. And so he is asking for people to help them in ministry. And so there's just a couple of examples there. And so therefore, the gift of helps are often used with sudden and last-minute kind of needs that pop up in the life of a church ministry and pop up in people's lives within the church. Remember that the whole idea of the gift, spiritual gifts, is to use them on other people. All of the 11 spiritual gifts are all used on other people. And in fact, um, the other uh, 10 or so of the temporary gifts were all used on other people, never on yourself. And that's one of the big distinguishing features of modern day charismatic kind of tongues. They're using it on themselves. And that was never, ever the design of biblical tongues. They were always used for others. What does that mean? Well, you're going to have to go back and watch the Wednesday services and get those answers. That's important. So, um, some examples, modern day examples of, uh, of, of helps, how helps can come in. Remember, they, they look after sudden and unexpected and last minute kind of needs that pop up. And it happens where all of a sudden we need an errand run. We need this taken down there. Or we need someone to run and pick up something and, and bring back. We'll need someone who can go and make a last minute emergency purchase. Here's the, here's the credit card. Go and buy a dozen of these things. We're all out and service starts in five minutes. Uh, that's a definite last second kind of need. Um, picking up people for church. Definite opportunity for helps. Uh, medical needs. Taking people to uh, uh, medical needs or picking up um, medical supplies like what we did during COVID. We were doing some of that in some groceries as well. Uh, setting up and taking down of displays. Sometimes we'll have a program in the foyer and have tables all out there and chairs. Well, all that has to be set up and it has to be taken down. It's something I heard from a radio preacher, which by the way, I'm not a big fan of radio preachers. I just want you to know that up front. I think that there are some good things being said by some of the radio preachers, but there's some other stuff that I wouldn't give you 10 cents for. And once in a while, you'll even have a good man say something inappropriate that he shouldn't. And so the bottom line is we've got people out there on radio frequencies or on the internet influencing a lot of God's people when the proper influence is in the context of the local church. Too many people are using the internet and the radio 
to replace the local church. I'll tell you a little secret here. Jesus did not die for the internet. Jesus did not die for the radio. Jesus died for the church. He died for his church. And that's where our, our, our allegiance needs to be, is in the local church. Very important. But anyhow, one of these fellows said a, a story about uh, a guy they hired and fired all within two hours. Um, and so that caught my attention. I had to hear this. And he said it was the, the shortest term of a, an assistant uh, staff member that they've ever had. Hired and fired within two hours. And here's how it went. They hired the guy on. He's a young fellow. He looked very talented, very promising, very likable, and so on. And they had a program that uh, required them to set up chairs for people. And so um, the pastor himself took off his jacket and others, you know, started helping and they, they were getting chairs. And the pastor asked the, the young man, the newest employee, come and give us a hand. And the young fellow said, oh, I don't do chairs. And so uh, the pastor sat down with him and says, you know, I don't think that this is where God would have you be. You know, every one of us has a responsibility to help out. Every one of us does. The spiritual gifts. Some people have the gift of helps. Others don't. Does that mean that the others don't have to help? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that the ones that are helping are tangible, visible, physical examples for us to follow. Now look at them helping out. We need to do the same thing. And so just something to bear in mind. It's a wonderful gift, don't you think? The gift of helps. And some people in this church have it. And some people in this church don't have it. But it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to learn it. All spiritual gifts can actually be learned. You are given something with a spiritual power to it. And it's easy for you to do it. It's harder for someone else to do it. But then they have something that's easy for them. It's hard for you. And you're supposed to learn from them and they're supposed to learn from you. And together we grow and become like Jesus. So this spiritual gift of, um, of helping out, and it includes cleaning. You know, service is going to start in 15 minutes. Ah, no one checked for the, uh, the paper in the hand dis dispensers in the washrooms. We need, we need someone to do that. Uh, cleaning, cooking is another one, sometimes last minute. Hey, can you come in at 6 o'clock on, on Saturday morning and help out? we got so much that needs to be done in the kitchen. Um, distributing flyers. Our fire brigade is a marvelous opportunity for the gift of helps. Now, there are a lot of people, as I say, uh, in local churches, in our local church, that have the gift of helps. In the New Testament... You have in Romans chapter 16, verse 3, Paul mentioning Priscilla and Aquila. Those were Jewish tent makers and friends of the Apostle Paul as being his helpers. They had helps. And also in verse 9, you have the mention of a, an unknown Roman slave. His name was Urbane. Uh, in Latin, it would be Urbanus. And uh, he, this 
unknown Roman slave had the gift of helps. And he's mentioned in Scripture. Interesting. We don't know anything else about him except that he was a helper. He had the gift of helps. I think God put that in there just to help teach us the importance of the gift of helps. Well, how do you know if you have the spiritual gift of helps? All right, quickly. Number one, you'll have joy and a sense of fulfillment in lending a hand, rolling up your sleeves and helping others or helping at church. It'll give you a great sense of accomplishment, like you've done something good, you've helped. Number two, you will, if you have the gift of helps, you will probably tend to get along pretty good with other people. You're not going to be a real grouchy, isolated monk of a hermit or something. You're probably going to be sort of a, a bit of a friendly kind of a person and easy to get along with. And number three, obviously, if you have the gift of helps, you're going to tend to work well under a chain of command. Well, we have to set up all these chairs. <clears throat> I don't do chairs. Hey, I tell you what, I'll stand at the front and tell people, you pick up a chair, you pick up a chair. I could do that. Well, that doesn't sound like the gift of helps, does it? That, that person had, would have a problem with a spiritual chain of command. And so those are just a, two or three ways on how you might know if you have the gift of helps. Now, we have to quickly move on here because I promised you to. And the second one is in Romans chapter 12. If you turn back there, please. Romans chapter 12. Remember, that's the first of the three great chapters on spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, verse number. Uh, let's see. Well, he actually begins in verse 6, doesn't he? And he goes right down to verse 8, and he mentions seven gifts there. But the one we're interested in seeing here is verse 8. It says, or he, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, we'll get to that one, not tonight. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that giveth, there's the gift of giving. It says, let him do it with simplicity. The spiritual gift of giving is that ability to sense a genuine financial need, and then to happily be able to give toward it. That's what it is. Now, please understand, the spiritual gift of giving has nothing to do with being rich. It has absolutely nothing to do with being a wealthy person. In fact, I think that it's just the opposite, to be quite honest with you. I think that most people with the gift of giving, are just ordinary, plain, simple folks. I think that very, very few of them have the spiritual gift of giving. It doesn't mean that they're not to give. It just means that God has gifted the ones with the gift of giving. He gives it to the ones that don't seem to have much. And yet they are the ones that end up moving the mountains. You say, how can that be? It's so that God gets the glory, folks, in all of these. That's what it means. Now, we can see a good example of this if you turn back a few pages to Mark. And chapter, Mark chapter 12, you'll have a good, good New Testament example of the gift of giving. Mark chapter 12. And let's look, please, at verse number 41. 
And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. That's a quarter of a penny. That's what a farthing is. It's, uh, in fact, they don't use it in England anymore, but it used to be a common piece of currency in England long, long time ago. Uh, verse 43, And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Here's why. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So here's this poor, poor little lady, and all she had left was a quarter penny. And back then they would split that in half, and they would call them mites. And she had two of them. That's not very much money, is it? One quarter of a penny was her, her wealth. And this lady gave it to the Lord. Now, what do you think happened to that poor little lady? What do you think? Did she go out after that and then starve to death and die? I think God looked after her. Don't you think so? Absolutely. If you know anything about God, if you know anything about the promises of God, God looked after her. And Jesus pointed her out. And I'll tell you this that if God allowed her to go out and suffer and starve and die of hunger, God would have been a hypocrite. He would have been a promise breaker. But you know that's not true of God. If anyone knows how to keep a promise, God does. And I, I know it doesn't say it here, but I believe with all my heart, according to other verses of God's word, God looked after that little lady. And that little lady was well looked after. That's pretty exciting. Now, we just, well, tell you what. Let's go to Philippians. Back to Philippians, uh, chapter 4 again. The church at Philippi was not a wealthy church. Don't get the idea that there was a bunch of millionaires sitting in the front rows and a bunch of billionaires sitting in the back rows. It wasn't that way at all. These were blue-collared people, hard-working, salt-of-the-earth kind of folks. And uh, many of them at times had struggles, financial struggles. You know, the price of gas back then was pretty bad too, I guess. The price of gas today, I tell you. We're thinking twice and three times, aren't we? Before we just jump in the car and take off someplace. But I want you to see in chapter 4, verse 15... A lot of these people in, at the church of Philippi, to me, I think a lot of them had the gift of giving. You see, in verse 15, Paul writes, uh, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that was away from them, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. These were not rich, wealthy people. They were just regular, salt-of-the-earth kind of folks. But I believe that they had the gift of giving. And it was a joy for them to give to the Apostle Paul and support his missionary cause. 
Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, wealthy people, rich people, sometimes must be reminded to give generously to the Lord's work. And I'll show you this in Scripture if you turn to the right and find the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, Paul was telling Timothy what to tell rich people. And the rich people were not lost, unsaved, worldly, on their way to hell. Rich people, these were saved, born again rich people. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That means a financial communication. And then verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. These were saved people that had a lot of money. And Paul was telling Timothy, his understudy, you're going to have to remind them not to trust in worldly riches. So often, saved Christian people don't have the gift of giving. And so when they hear preaching on giving, you know, it just makes their skin crawl. Because they don't understand it. Rather, they need to be charged to learn to give generously to God. That way, they're going to lay up in store for themselves a tremendous future in heaven. They're going to support the work of God, which they ought to, all of us ought to. But I believe that the gift of giving is given largely to those who don't have, you know, a dump truck full of cash. Those that may struggle a little bit financially. Those are the ones that seem to have a gift of giving. Well, God is not to be beholden to anyone. And when we give to His work, God always makes sure that He gives back and He usually gives with interest as well. Luke 6.38 Give and it shall be given unto you. That's the promise of God Almighty. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now, herewith saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Shall not be room enough to receive it. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. It is God that giveth thee power to get wealth. So we have to understand where the money comes from. Now, how do you know if you have the spiritual gift of giving? Well, here's a couple of points. Number one, it's going to feel good to give to genuine financial needs. We know there's a lot of crooks out there that want your money, but there are genuine financial needs out there. Our missionaries deal with it a lot. What a joy to be able to give to those genuine needs. Number two, you'll have a definite sense of doing it by faith for the Lord's glory. You won't be doing it by necessity, you know, grudgingly. If you have the gift of giving, now some, some Christians, they give grudgingly. And that's a shame. God loveth a cheerful giver. He gives the gift of giving. He loves that when people give because God himself is a giver. God loves to give. And when we do the same thing by faith, we're giving joyfully, supporting good financial needs. We do it for God's glory. God loves that. And so for those of us that have the gift of giving, 
And I believe, I'm being honest with you, I believe I have the gift of giving. I, I enjoy it. I love giving. When I see a legitimate need, I want to give to it. I want to help out. There are some gifts I don't have. I know that. But I think that's one that I do. I think I have the gift of pastor as well. I have to include that one in there somewhere. I hope I do after 41 years now, anyhow. But uh, you can know you have the gift of giving. Now, please remember, because we've got to conclude all this, spirit, with spiritual gifts come the desire to use them. That's, why, that's one of the key things you look for, is the desire, the joy involved with that particular gift. And you have a responsibility to find out what your spiritual gift is or what your spiritual gifts are and start using them. Start making good use of them for God's glory. It's not hard to figure it out. It's not hard. When one of the key uh, features is the joy that you get by doing these, that should tell you something. But all Christians have the responsibility to learn what other Christians can do naturally because they're gifted. We all have the responsibility to learn one from another. Now, the, the spiritual gifts of helps and giving, they're not that hard. Helps is quite easy, really. And it's something that we all need to be involved with. And of course, giving as well. It's not just the people with the gift of giving that should do all the giving in the church. No, they can lead the way and show us how to do it. But we should all get on board. God expects all of us to be involved with helping, all of us to be involved with giving, all of us to be involved with ministry and faith and in certain sense teaching and in a certain sense sort of pastoring or shepherding others. We're all to be involved. We're all to get and do those things. Now, I believe that when you get to heaven, things like helps and giving are two things that you're going to probably wish you'd done more of when you see the payoff in heaven. You're going to look back and say, oh, wish I had done more. All right, let's pray now together. Our Father, we... Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.